Is your savings just sitting there? Well, put it to work. A premium online savings account from PenFed earns way more than the national average, so you can get your savings working on earning you a vacation, or a new kitchen, or that fancy exercise mirror. Apply at PenFed.org savings. Premium online savings account holders must agree to electronic delivery of account opening disclosures and monthly statements. $5 minimum required to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Three, two, one. Never has there been a better time to be alive in human history. If you're not feeling it, you must discover why. Join Matthew Bolton in developing and applying a framework of objective optimism toward a flourishing life of meaning, health, and happiness. Here's your host, Matthew Bolton. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Mr. Brightside. I'm Matthew Bolton. Today's show is an interview with guest Adita Atek. She's a breakthrough strategist for women entrepreneurs around the world. But this show is not just for women. It's not just for entrepreneurs. Uh, the ideas she talks about are applicable to anybody. So she um, talks a lot about the about inner mastery, stress, uh, the relationship of thoughts and emotions, the conscious and subconscious. But it's not um, so complicated as, as it might sound. She puts it in very easy to understand terms. And I think that there's a lot of value for anybody here looking to live their best life, which is what we're doing on this show um, in achieving uh, what we were talking about as an optimized mindset. Um, I just found so many useful um, ways of describing things and conceptualizing things that I can take away and, um, and now feel stronger about the way I think about, uh, you know, living my best life in all aspects. So I really encourage uh, everybody to listen to what she has to say, um, learn about her masterclass coming up and also about her book. So we'll learn all about that. Um, we'll just go right to the interview right now. Everybody enjoy. All right. Welcome now to our interview. I'm with Adita Atek. Adita is a breakthrough strategist for ambitious women entrepreneurs around the world, helping them to create an identity that matches the outcomes they desire in their life and business. She is the author of Awaken Your Inner Leader, Transform Stress, Develop Emotional Mastery, and Thrive. And we might describe this as a busy professional's roadmap to freedom. Adita, thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me, Matthew. All right. So I see you're a fellow Canadian, although you were not uh, born Canadian. Um, maybe a little bit of a quick background. Where are you from and what led you to entrepreneurship as a focus? Sure. So I was born in Slovakia in, um, in Europe and I came to Canada when I was in my 20s. And what led me here was uh, my husband. Um, and uh, so I made Canada my home and my road to entrepreneurship it's really not something that I ever expected to um, to, to travel. Um, it, it's in many ways it was a coincidence, perhaps I should say. Mm -hmm. And now I am discovering that this is who I was meant to be. Like you know, we change throughout our entire lives, and I think I'm coming to a place in my life where I feel like this something has opened up inside of me. I have the bravery, I have the courage, I have the craziness, I have the risk taking factor, and I am taking the entrepreneurial road. All right. Well, excellent. Um, I I wonder if um, if you have an idea on this uh, on this just before we get get into entrepreneurship. Uh, why do you think many immigrants become up entrepreneurs? I, there seems to be an inordinate number as a group of immigrants who become entrepreneurs than natural born citizens in Canada and the states, for example. Do you have any idea, any theory on that? 
That's an interesting question. I have never, ever thought of that, to be honest. Um, It also probably depends on the type uh, on the, the timing of the immigration, right? They could originally, when some of the immigrants come, came here, like, I don't know, in the 60s or 80s, they were probably, you know, working in factories or whatever else came for them. But I think just the mere fact, and this is my theory, yeah. I am not claiming any, any, any you know, uh, truth to this. I think the mere fact that you take that risk of going to a completely new place and, you know, being completely open to unknown, um, it just opens up something inside of you that you develop this courage and 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 have the the taste for risk like when i came here um you know i followed my husband i didn't speak english we i speak a few other languages so we didn't have problems communicating but when i think back now like how i came here with the amount of risk that i took you know <laughs> when you think about it a couple of decades later you're just oh wow like that was a crazy move but you know it worked out so i think it's probably our taste for risk because opening up the doors to unknown, it's a massive personal transformation and personal development experience. Right, I guess, yeah. So it's not just the, the culture, but it's just the actual people who actually do get up and go to another place. Of course, they're risk takers. That's interesting. And it's not your business to have to theorize about that, but <laughs> no, I just thought scary. I'd throw it out there and see. Um, yeah. What is entrepreneurship in your view? How do you define entrepreneurship? Oh my gosh, there's so Am many I good questions. You? Yeah. No, <laughs> no. you know what? I love questions that open up like, you know, uh, sometimes I jump into an answer right away, but I love these types of conversations when we just mm-hmm. dive in. Yeah, you don't so have to, to me, know right away, right? That's right. <laughs> to me, entrepreneurship is a deep desire and, and, and a longing to have a mission, to have something bigger than ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I, I, and I'm not downplaying corporate world or, you know, regular jobs at all because I've been there enough, long enough. But I think in entrepreneurship, there is something that, you know, you become the creator of the work. You don't have anyone standing above you. So in my view, entrepreneurship is something when we have such a deep calling inside of us that we create the discipline and the commitment and we have the intention and we pursue no matter what. Um, and for, from my understanding, it, it you know, entrepreneurship for me is a really a deep calling for something that I want to create, something that I want to deliver to the world and perhaps leave a, leave a legacy. And it's more than just getting a pay. Yes. Right. I, I get, I'm getting that out of your definition and I kind of thought about it this way before, but it's becoming more clear that it's not necessary. It's not all connected with business per se. It's about creation. It's about following a calling and creating something new in the world. And that's, you know, instead of, you know, helping someone else build their thing as a good, as a good way for, to, to make a living as well. But entrepreneurship is more about creation, bringing something new. Yeah. Now, this is not to say if somebody goes into entrepreneurship because they, all they want to do is to, you know, uh, get a pay a paycheck to themselves. Yeah. I'm not saying that's a wrong definition either, right? Everybody yeah. does it for a different purpose. To me, entrepreneurship is a deep calling. Yes. Yeah, right. And it could be entrepreneurial in a, as a part of another business that's not necessarily your own full thing, you, I, I, I think. Totally. How about this then? What, uh, what is your view of wealth? Uh, I, I've heard you talk about it a little bit and people associate it with greed or something. What is, the, what is your view of wealth and how do we attain it? Is greed necessary? Wealth. Uh, it's, to me, when I think of the word, and it's funny how every word has such a powerful energy. Yes. I think the word wealth and first of all, I notice the sensation in my body and it's just sort of feels like an opening. And to me, it's definitely more than money. To me is, is you know, our ability to wake up in the morning and feel uh, inspired and grateful and motivated. Uh, to me, it's our ability to connect with other people. So to me, wealth 
is our health as well. So for me, wealth is this broad category and money and business is part of it. Okay. But I've, I've seen people who are financially incredibly wealthy and they were incredibly poor mm-hmm. and, uh, and the other way around. So wealth to me is something really big and it's much more than money. All right. That's excellent. There you go. <laughs> Beautiful. How about this? How do you help people align with their mission as you, as you say? Yeah. So, you know, often in life I find, and this was true for myself, like I wanted to achieve something, you know, we draw a vision board and we have a word of the year or whatever else. And we have these external goals, but we don't achieve them often. I mean, you know, I raise my hand. I've been there so many times. I created my goals and I had this beautiful vision board and I took pictures and everything. Nothing out of that happened. And later on, I realized that unless I am the person, I have the qualities inside me that are aligned with that vision. Um, It's very, I can create uh, goals as much as I want to. And I will have a really hard time um, reaching those goals because, you know, on another aspect, our goals come from our conscious mind, you know, what we think on the surface. Mm -hmm. uh, But then there's the part of us that is far more um, hidden from us. And that's part of our subconscious mind. And if, if there is any kind of a blockage or, 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 misalignment between what we believe um, subconsciously, then it's very hard for us to reach those goals. So I often talk about the term I use, inner power. And to me, our inner power is everything that exists inside of us that we need to bring to the surface and work and, 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 and develop in order to achieve what we want externally. All right. If that Great. makes sense. It, it does. And we're going to get more into it. I want to get into the, the relationship between the subconscious and the conscious and, and all inner mastery and these kind of other concepts that you talk about. Um, before we move into mindset, I'm curious, one, one uh, curious question is uh, why you have a particular focus on women or women entrepreneurs. And it's nothing to do with social justice, as I said to another guest no, recently, no. I asked the same thing. But, you know, why? women? I think it, it's been actually a recent switch. I've worked both with men and women. I have had excellent male clients. And in the past, I used to focus, not necessarily focus, I had a mix of clients, both from corporate world executives and, and small business owners. Mm-hmm. And um, last year, I made a very conscious switch from having a broader profit professional community to, to, to help to very specifically to women entrepreneurs, because they have so many challenges. Additionally, I would say generally from my past experience, women were far more committed to their inner work than men were. And this is not to say that, as I said, I had some exceptional men clients that, that I absolutely love to work with. But then when I, more and more I talk to some women, especially in the entrepreneurial path, when there is so much to create, so much business, and then they become moms, they become partners. I guess that first is partners, then moms, mm-hmm. or whatever order it comes in. And then all of these layers of complexity and then getting access to funding and everything else. So I kind of thought, you know what, maybe I'm just going to niche down to only entrepreneurs and very specifically to women so mm-hmm. I can help them really balance out that, that life work or, you know, somebody says life work balance, uh, life family balance, whatever you want to call it. So they are really whole individuals and they can support their families. They can, you know, create healthier relationships, but they can also have these ambitious goals that they want to. At the same time, I feel women put a lot of pressure on themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when, when they are running 
all of these different things. So that's actually a very recent switch and absolutely nothing against men. I love working with them and there are some amazing, uh, you know, male uh, partners that I have uh, had partnerships with. But right now, I just feel right now, this year, next year, right now, my space is with helping women. Yes. And that's what I was curious about. Not to, I wasn't implying that at all. I uh, just want to hear why is that your space and how, why do you feel such a connection that way? And, and why is that a focus? Um, how is your message applicable to people who are not women or who are not entrepreneurs? Honestly, the message that I have is applicable to men entrepreneurs, men entrepreneurs, and it's applicable to a human being who really has the intention to become a greater, better person and has the intention to contribute more and has the intention to grow. You know, when you were in business, it does make a lot of sense to niche down. Otherwise, you know, when you're trying to speak to everybody, you're pretty much speaking to no one. So you need to make a business decision where you want to stay. But in terms of my message, I really believe the underlying everything is I am addressing humanity. Um, and we are humans first before we are entrepreneurs and we are, you know, brothers and sisters and sons and daughters and whatever else. And that's how I believe we need to look at even the entrepreneurship and the entrepreneurial path. All right. That's excellent. Thank you very much. Um, I, I've got it all kind of just broken down a bit to organize it a bit for myself, but it's, I know it's all interrelated here. Uh, you know, it's all integrated. Uh, I'm going to go on what you're calling mindset uh, as a focus right now. What does it mean for someone to be a whole human, as you as you say. Oh my gosh, that's an amazing question. Uh, a whole, a whole human, a whole human to me, and I'm making it up on the spot right now. Is Good. whatever is coming to me. Uh, so, a whole human is is an individual who is connected to the entirety of their being, and that includes the physical body, that includes the emotions, that includes our thoughts, our habitual thoughts. Um, that includes the environment because we are, you know, a product of our environment as well. And very often we isolate ourselves when we go very deeply into intellectual thinking, we kind of forget that we are part of everything around us. So a whole human being is an interconnection of the inner power existing within us, which we can get into later and our mm -hmm. connection to the environment. All right. Great. Thank you. Um, and, and I like the word integration. So I like to be like an integrated human being, a whole human. It all, it all, it sounded like something like that. And I want to see where, where you'd go with it. And look, uh, all of this stuff, I, I kind of call this show, any of the work blog stuff I write, anything I do on the show, I call it thinking out loud. That's what I'm here trying to do. And then from there develop, you know, walk away and, and clear up my own conceptual thinking. So, you know, have no fear with anything, uh, throw at you. It, you're doing great. Um, <laughs> Anyway, uh, how about this? What does it mean for someone to thrive? You have that, you have that word. That's one of my big words is thrive. So I'm really curious how you, what does that mean for someone to thrive? I guess the words thrive and flourish would belong to the same category. And, you know, interestingly enough, and a little bit of an aside, but we'll get back to thrive. Somebody asked me another podcast the other day, you know, if, if I am thriving or something along those lines, does it mean I'm happy all the time? And my answer to that is no right? We don't need to be happy all the time. To me, thriving means that I have a, and now I'm going to get a little bit more specific, a well-regulated nervous system inside my body that helps me rise to the challenge or whatever stressor comes and allows me to go back into my equilibrium. And, you know, thriving allows me to have the ability to feel the emotions of, of peacefulness, of joy, of connectedness, of, of 
of contribution, having the perception, because, you know, there is such a huge overlap between emotions and perceptions. And in fact, most of the things that we refer to as feelings or emotions are our perceptions. You know, feeling satisfied is really deriving from a thought underneath that I am here in the right place. And, uh, you know, I am, I have my needs full. At Dunkin', we're getting ready for sunnier days with our Sunrise Batch Iced Coffee. A bright and balanced iced coffee with notes of cocoa, tangy sweetness, and toasted nuts. Made to brighten every day a little more. Soak in the sunshine a little more. And fill every moment with a little more, more. Because we aren't just chasing sunsets anymore. We're counting sunrises too. Do more with Dunkin' Sunrise Batch Iced Coffee. Brewed for brighter days. Enjoy a medium for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. Filled. Uh, so thriving is really our ability to be deeply connected to our environment, to be deeply connected to ourselves and, and feeling whole. All right. Well, I hear all that. Um, you know, you said thrive and flourish are connected. I actually use them interchangeably. So on that point, I'm with you. And also, as far as your other thing, I, I say on, I've said on the show many times about happiness. When I claim that I'm happy, I don't mean I'm just singing, dancing around all day like a lunatic or something. I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's a, I have a, I'm a whole human, I guess, as part of it. And, and everything, the way you define it is very good. Um, and I feel like that. And that's thriving to me too. Um, you've said in, as far as subconscious and consciousness, you said your subconscious mind is listening to you constantly. So choose your words carefully. I loved hearing that. Um, can you explain that a little bit? Yes. So we use words in our everyday life, obviously. And, you know, for some of us who speak more language, it gets even more interesting because I always have this theory that every language has its own separate universe and you, you, you communicate very differently in each language. And these words acquire some sort of an energetic um, uh, meaning. I don't want to use any kind of, you know, funny words here like vibration or something. But, you know, when I say the word money and I want you to sit with that word, you will probably, it will mean something to you. You will feel maybe contracted or expanded or something like any word that I say. So when I say that we need to watch our words is that, Words represent and they have a meaning and we, we have certain associations with words. So we start saying to ourselves, you know, I dread this meeting. I hate to go there. I am dumb. <laughs> Recently, I saw LinkedIn. It was a few months ago. It was a post on LinkedIn. Somebody posted that there's absolutely nothing good about getting older. Getting older sucks. And I'm thinking, well, you know what, with that kind of an attitude, it will probably suck because you are just, you know, saying to yourself certain things. And when you say this often enough, there is something inside of you. Yeah, sure. Let me prove it to you. Getting older sucks. Mm -hmm. So that's why I always say choose the words carefully, because if we use certain disempowering words on a regular basis, they will eventually become our reality because we will keep assigning meaning to them. And that meaning that we store internally is going to impact us. So you say your subconscious will, will tell you, it will show you, yeah, it does suck because you've kind of programmed me to, to believe that it sucks. Is that what you mean? Kind of uh... That as well. And also I think our conscious mind, because if you keep thinking the same uh, thoughts and using the same words, I was just talking to somebody today and, you know, interestingly, she said something along the lines, you know, I, this is not working. For, I'm not getting any further ahead. I'm slipping back. I'm slipping back, mm-hmm. you know, to my old uh, disempowering habits. And I said, you know, whenever we create a habit and we want to change it, it takes time to break that old habit, to pull it apart and replace a new one. But if you keep saying every time you have a minor failure, 
you're missing out on all the other small wins, but you're focusing on the small failure. You keep re reinforcing the old pattern. So same conversation I had with her. One of the few things you can just start watching what words you're using towards yourself. You would probably never say that to anyone else. So yeah, I do believe words have a big impact on us. So if there's anything uh, that, you know, the listeners would want to try a different just for one day or two days, very careful uh, inventory of the words they're using to describe their experiences or to describe, you know, how they're thinking, how they're feeling. Mm -hmm. I agree with that wholly. I mean, that's why I'm, I'm so concerned about what concepts we use, right? So what do we, how do we conceptualize money? What does that mean to you? I have to really figure out what it means to me really so that I can feel what that means as I, as I use the word in my life and other, and every concept, if uh, we can't think uh, any better than the precision of our concepts. So I'm really that's why I really want to know, like, what does thrive mean? What does, yeah. you know, all these things, because I want to be able to automatize them and let my subconscious just use, you know, take that, take that word and, and have it mean that thing that I've worked out consciously on my own. Um, how can we partner up with our minds? You've had, this is an expression you've said. Yes. Um, and I'm using that word because it sounds, again, more friendly as opposed to, you know, if I were to use words, you know, rewire or, 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 or start using different vocabulary, people often kind of are not really sure. But when I said partner up, it's more friendly, right? So very often people turn their mind into their own worst enemy because very often we live what I call in the prison of our mind. We get so isolated in our thinking and then we start believing we are our thoughts. And then everything we look at, we're looking at, the world through that lens of, of these thoughts that we have inside our head. So partnering up with our mind is number one, really being aware, consciously aware of what, what our thoughts are going through our head. And I always recommend people to have like a thought journal. And again, what we are able to be aware of is our conscious thinking. Another thing that I want, um, you know, to, to, to include in the partnering up with, with the mind is really being very careful what meaning we assign to some of the words or some of the thoughts we create. And I can tell you pretty much with every client I work with, you know, they will just sometimes state completely mundane things, you know, when they're stating talking about the business or the relationship with their partner or whatever else. And then I will just bring it to them because as a third party listener, I, I am more aware when I can interrupt as opposed to when we are just thinking our own, there's nobody to interrupt us because we just keep, you know, repeating the same thing and we believe it's true. So when I point it out, I, you know, I would often say, just notice what meaning you assigned to that word or to that thought. Mm -hmm. You know, you may just say, you know, when I don't have enough work, I feel bored. But the, underneath all of that, the meaning was I am unsuccessful. Mm -hmm. So I often, you know, one thing that I always tell people, really start paying attention to your regular habitual thoughts. A thought journal is an amazing thing to have. And so then where I mentioned they understanding what meaning we assign to, to, to our thoughts, what words we use, and then what's beneath our awareness, obviously, is the subconscious programming, which is very difficult to work through on our own because it's so deeply embedded into us that it, it's just very hard. And that's where, I, that's where the word flourish comes and thrive because we need another human being with, with this person we connect on a very deep level. We create a trusting relationship and that person can help us uncover some of those stuck patterns in our subconscious. And, you know, one of the things about the subconscious is that we used to think in the past that it was only from the time of birth that we start picking up subconscious patterns. But I remember I had a friend who um, adopted a child about 
oh my gosh, I would say probably 15 years ago. And, um, and that child was a few, just a few months old. And just to make the long story short, he took him to, he was a healthcare professional. He took him to another high-level healthcare professional in another city to really, you know, help to remove any possible trauma or whatever from the early adoption. And the interesting thing, I never, ever forgot that story. The, the other physician, he was actually from Montreal, um, you know, he said, this child knew coming to this world, he's not wanted. And I was just like, what? Like, how is that possible? And now, you know, the scientific evidence is showing us there's more and more coming to the surface that we pick up our subconscious patterns in the third trimester while we are in our mother's womb, which is like, wow. It's like, you know, I, I get goosebumps when I think about that. Yeah, because so, tripping right? me up a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, know, I know. So, you know, we, we accumulate all of this and, you know, our subconscious functions, especially in our early years up to whatever, you know, age of eight or something like that it can be plus or minus it's like a sponge it just takes in the program it doesn't differentiate is it good is it bad and um anyways this could be a completely different discussion as well so our subconscious is incredibly powerful and when we come back again to a goal setting we set it from our conscious mind what do we want you know what do we think it would be nice but maybe we have something subconsciously holding us back what if my subconscious is telling me i'm really not wanted what if my subconscious is telling me that I'm not worthy the, the money because I've heard my parents, you know, arguing over money when, ever since I was very, very young? Or what if my subconscious is telling me that, you know, I, uh, you know I am, I'm not good enough at something, I'm not smart enough, or whatever else it may be. So it's really important to get um, into a partnership while somebody else helps us partner up with our own mind. <laughs> yes, I got it. <laughs> and that's and just that last part too. I hear um, this is what I mean when I think about think and thrive. Your subconscious could tell you all kinds of things, but it's your conscious mind that has to look at the be objective and look at things and really decide what is real. And then eventually, your subconscious mind will catch up with that. Is that is that right? Maybe that your subconscious uh, mind catches up with what your conscious mind finally like really makes them believe. And then I it can think probably ideally we yeah. The way I see it, that they want to be attuned because to me, the conscious mind is kind of like five violin players trying to make a, you know, or a little band, K-pop, uh, you know, who are trying to play beautiful music, but the subconscious is, is like an orchestra of thousands of players. Mm-hmm. And unless that orchestra of thousands of players is not singing the similar tune or supportive of the tune that is being sung by that small band, the small band is going to be drowned out. And that's why we so often sabotage ourselves. And we think you want, we want this next thing. And, and consciously, we really want to create it. We even step towards actions. But subconscious is also something, um, you know, the term that is used often is like a set point on a thermostat. And our subconscious can set us, you know, in terms of our health, in terms of our finances, in terms of any other aspect of our life, it can be something preset because something we picked up really early in life, right? And that will put us into a certain category. And so when consciously we try to go for something else, our subconscious will say, oops, you already exceeded the set point, come back. So we, we often repeat the same thing. Um, and, you know, for me, you know, I can very honestly say, and I said that on a few podcasts, for me, one of my subconscious blocks was really a connection between, um, between money and being a good person, be, having lots of money and being a good person. Uh, because I think I may have experienced so many people in my surroundings when I was growing up who were you know, I don't want to label any, anyone, but it was, yeah. I never wanted to live in that kind of a place. 
uh, although those people could afford anything. So in my mind, I have subconsciously created, you know, be humble and that will be a better way to live. You don't need to have a lot of money, but you will be a good person. And that kind of doesn't really help a lot when you go want to go on an entrepreneurial journey mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> because then you're being pushed back, pushed back. So we often need to work through these things. And even today, I often, you know, see examples when I see somebody who is super rich and, you know, you hear some of the horrible news and I need to remind myself there are also other very rich people who have accomplished a lot and build their businesses and they're good people. Not everybody is insane and greedy. That's money. So. <laughs> Certainly not. And that's what I meant. Just that, that the more we, if that's something that you, an idea you hold, your subconscious tells you that then through experience and thinking and thinking again, eventually your subconscious can keep up and be more in tune with your consciousness. It's kind of, that's what we ideally want. Our subconscious and conscious are in line, and our subconscious is supportive of what's happening on the top. Right, and that's what I mean when I say think. You can do deliberate thinking and try to affect this subconscious as much as you can by really figuring out what's real. Um, I want to move into what's we'll, brief, we'll vaguely call emotions, right? More directly than just mindset. What is the relationship between mindset and emotions? Because we want to feel a certain way, right? Ultimately. Yeah. Uh, Huge. And that's where we come back to our concept of wholeness. Mm-hmm. You know, we often we look in life and we separate them. You know, this is our mindset. These are emotions. This is this. But everything is interconnected. To me, our thoughts, like mindset, you know, just to break it down so the listeners understand or relate to what we are talking about in terms of mindset, is just a really collection of our thoughts and thought habits mm-hmm. and beliefs, right? Yeah. But to, for us to separate our thoughts and our beliefs from emotions is impossible. I will tell you something to think about right now. You will immediately associate it with some kind of an emotion. Mm-hmm. You know, if I were to tell you, you know, can you recall somebody in your life, you know, maybe in high school who was extremely mean to you mm-hmm. or, you know, who backstabbed you, mm-hmm. you will recall that person. You will think about that person. You will almost instantaneously have a, an emotional response. And maybe mm-hmm. it may be minimal today. But if you really try to think about a person who was really nasty and bullying you in high school or whatever, you will probably have an emotional response. You know, I don't necessarily want to talk to that person. I don't feel comfortable. I have this, you know, it's old, it's long gone, but I still feel resentful. I still don't feel comfortable with that person. So emotions are just incredibly tied to our thoughts because, you know, neuroscience is telling us that there is a thought and it and it creates an emotional response and that creates a behavior or an action response. We also have something that I refer to um, as uh, something um, I would best explain as as an instinctual emotional response. And, you know, our, Mm -hmm. our, I don't have a better word for that, but let's say fear and anger. Fear uh, in its, in its purely instinctual state, when we are somewhere and there is a physically dangerous situation, we must feel fear in order for us to be able to pick up the signals, to recognize that our bodies uh, is giving us the cues so we, we can do whatever we need to do accordingly to either run away or fight back or just collapse and just pretend we are dead. With anger, if somebody's crossing our boundaries, and these are what I refer to as instinctual emotions, uh, we need to express anger when somebody's, you know, is, is violating our boundaries. But then most of our emotions are truly our perceptions. You know, when people tell me I am feeling disrespected, is that a thought? Is that an emotion? It's a yeah. thought. You know, this person is talking down to me and I am feeling disrespected. You can't feel disrespected unless you have the thought beneath that. Mm-hmm. So our emotions, our thoughts, and our nervous system 
and our immune system and our hormonal system, everything is interconnected. Mm-hmm. And emotions are this powerful energy. Um, you know, in, in some of the Eastern philosophies, um, emotions are considered to be like the water element. Mm-hmm. Not sure how it is in, in Korean. Um, yeah, I don't uh, keep going. I'm, I don't know if I recognize this. No. So, and you know, when you consider the human body is, you know, depending on our age, like, you know, anywhere between 70 to 90% um, of water, Mm -hmm. um, we are really emotional beings who think. That's right. Not the other way around, but we pride ourselves and we have lived, you know, for a long time in a way that we are intellectual beings who happen to have emotions. And if we don't like them, we can suppress them. It does not work that way. You can suppress them only for so long because they are going to live in the body and they will eventually erupt on their own. That's right. And that's why I say it's so important to care about what you think because they are just going to come, come, keep coming wave after wave if that's the water analogy, but they're, they're there and we can only affect them over a long time. It takes a long time. For example, I the idea about the bully and then my idea about that person, you say I might not feel it so much these days because I've thought about it over years and really put into perspective. I don't feel so upset about it and then i because i really believe it and then over a long time my emotions can automatically tell me that but it doesn't happen i just i'll just change my mind about this and then my emotions will follow it takes a real conviction and time i think to change your emotions fully is that would you does that sound like it makes any sense yeah i mean you know this could be also subject to a longer conversation of course (laughs) um, emotions we need to process them like you know we could sit here for a really long time yeah our emotional intelligence i always start with emotional literacy is really recognizing emotions are physiological expression in our body Mm -hmm. and we need to respect them and we need to uh, work with them as opposed to trying to you know explode with them or suppress them because the energy is going to go somewhere if we explode with them usually somebody else is hurting besides ourselves and when we push them in we we are just you know packing it all inside and it's eventually going to fester inside all right that's excellent i was about to ask you about emotional literacy you took it already <laughs> great um finally on this healthy self-regulated nervous system is essential is what you say what does i think you mentioned already but i just just to clear it up before we move on what does a healthy self-regulated nervous system look like Sure. And without going into any technical uh, terminology, so I don't confuse anybody because we could literally sit here at Matthew for three hours discussing okay. this subject. This would well, be like an amazing conversation. But I just want people to, to, to imagine when I'm talking about the nervous system, I very specifically refer to the stress processing apparatus that is built into us. And to me, it's if you imagine that, you know, like an ocean wave, rises up, reaches the peak, and it comes down, and then it dips beneath the surface of the water, and then it keeps continuing. In my view, our healthy stress response, our healthy um, nervous system regulation needs to be like that. We need to move in that wave-like fashion so we constantly flow. There is a stressor, we respond to it, we activate energy, we rise up on that wave, we reach peak, and we need to allow ourselves to come back from that uh, from that wave, reach the... Um, the, the, the surface of the water, for lack of a better word, and then mm-hmm. you know go beneath the ocean to release all of that, to relax, to restore, to sleep, and then be able to come back above the surface of the water again and arise. Mm-hmm. And what's happening in today's society is that we, we got these wave patterns stuck. It's like the wave is trying to go above, but it gets stuck because it doesn't know how to go any further. It doesn't know how to come down. So it freezes at the top or it freezes at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, we have a lot of health issues and, and you know, mental health issues er- around the world. So I do believe we need so much more 
education and understanding how our stress processing apparatus works, how our nervous system regulation is connected to healthy thinking and healthy feeling. And uh, the best way I can, I can explain this, that we need to be in a state of flow in order for us to, to thrive and to be able to really live fully and not, 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 hold on to struggles that inevitably arise externally is to have this healthy flow. So we get agitated, we get excited, we, we get angry, we, we, we get, you know, elated with joy over something and we reach the peak of that and we are able to release it slowly, release all that energy. And then we're able to connect with somebody we deeply care with because that's also part of our nervous system. It's, you know, sometimes referred to as the social engagement part because we thrive in connection with other human beings where we have the connection and it's not just physical presence. It needs to be connection and trust. And then we can release and, you know, I'll go into the phase where we can rest and digest and sleep and then we come back. All so right, to yeah. me, that's a metaphorical explanation no, we of the need nervous that. system. No, we need that. We can't just be talking, like I say, in terms of their, you know, self-regulated nervous system and all that. You have to put it in terms of this kind of thing. That's very helpful. Thank you. And I, I guess so you mean we can't just be trying to keep it all even keel and straight. We, we need to have feel anger and these emotions and create the energy. Then we have to come down from it. We have to flow this way. Yeah, we can't we just. Need that. Yeah. We, we need that. Like even if we exercise, we go up right? We, yeah. we activate that energy, like just to be alive, we need to be able to go up and down, but it always yeah. needs to come back to the baseline and the dip beneath so we can restore, relax, sleep, all of that. And then we can go again into activation. Right. Okay, great. All right, then how about uh, this idea of inner mastery? Uh, what is inner mastery then? And I think you've also referred to an internal inventory taking in that. <laughs> what if what are these what's inner mastery i know so inner mastery or inner power um so the components of these terms oh thank you um they include what i refer to the internal inventory and these includes our our habitual thoughts our habitual feelings nervous system regulation we just talked about Mm -hmm. our moods and our attitudes our emotional expression our um beliefs i already mentioned that our the way we act the way we step into action, the way we choose to decide. So everything that we have internally inside us, um, that is part of our inner mastery. Very often we reduce it culturally to intellect and that's not enough. Like we are so much more. We are so much more, even just the small thing. And again, if listeners want to take that as a little takeaway, we often think that we need to think and analyze just really being like so focused in our mind. But what if we could think in a way that we're also connected to our body, that we're connected to our gut, that we connected our feet to the ground and we feel the earth beneath, beneath us and we feel the environment and the space inside us and around us and then, then becomes aware thinking. And it's not to say that it's not focused. It just mm-hmm. comes from a very different plane because we connected everything together. Yes. All right. And that's not what I mean by think and thrive that I, that you sit and just think about everything and analyze everything. It means that you do that at times you have to think about things in your life and reflect and do strong reflections and then set what's really true. And then you have to go ahead and, and live. You have to go and act pretty much uh, automatically and as it were, right? Uh, not everything, not everything is deliberate every moment. We don't function that way. So um, I can agree with all that. I want to know, how you define resilience, this word. I'm very curious about it too, because a, a couple of weeks ago, Anna, uh, I had on Danny Bader and he has a book subtitled, The 
path of resilience in one of his talks. And he has a whole concept of resilience. I'm curious to hear this and see if I can't maybe make this concept even more powerful for myself. No, but really, it's not a, sure. a challenge, but it's really sure. helpful to hear different views. What is resilience? Yeah, of course. So resilience, I guess, in, the, in, its, in its simplest definition is our ability to spring back. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a very popular word and, and a lot of people are talking about resilience in, in the workplace and in, in the entrepreneurial path in their health. So to me, I see resilience on three different uh, planes. One, and again, just talking about the different aspects of the internal inventory, one will be like the mental resilience the other one is emotional and the third one is the physiological one that is on the level of our nervous system ultimately they're all connected together right mental resilience to me is to be able to identify those conscious thought patterns that are not serving us that have an almost immediate response in our emotions and have a cascading response in our nervous system because if i start thinking that i'm not let's say just going back to that not being respected you know whether you know it's in our relationship or in our team or whatever i have that all of a sudden everything inside me is going to respond to that because i'm not feeling safe if i keep saying to myself i'm not being respected that that means potentially not feeling safe, that will create an emotion of either, um, you know, sadness or anger, whatever else it may be, that will create an activation energy in my nervous system. Mm -hmm. So again, everything is connected. But just on the mental plate and alone, if we are able to reframe our thoughts, change our words, and again, we are talking only on the conscious plane here and with conscious thoughts, Mental resilience to me is our ability to change our thinking patterns so we break that cascading connection that comes afterwards. Okay. Emotional resilience, in my mind, is our ability to experience no matter how powerful, and I don't like the word negative emotions. Uh, I like to say that every information, every emotion is an information. Yeah. And when we look at that, we look at emotions in a different way. So emotional resilience to me is our ability to experience any form of emotion, regardless how challenging it is, being to experience it fully, being to able to release it and process it in a full way, and instead of exploding with it, instead of suppressing it. So that mean, means, let, let's say, you know, uh, we would choose anger. We feel the full amount of anger inside us, but it's not affecting us how we behave towards others or how we behave towards ourselves. We release that information inside of us. We recreate our boundaries and we come back to the baseline. Physiological resilience, like intimately connected to the previous two. Mm -hmm. My stress response got immediately activated because anger is, is one of the primal emotions that is going to trigger my, my nervous system. My activation energy rises up. I'm going up on the, on the curve, on the wave. If nobody has ever taught me how I come down from that curve, mm -hmm. the only way I may be able to soothe that, that, that imbalance, that tension, that agitation, activation inside me, and this is where our society as a whole has a big problem, is called coping mechanisms. Because I'll be staying up there for a long time, something else comes, I will be even more agitated, but my body doesn't know how to release that charge. Mm -hmm. I will have maybe too much alcohol. I will maybe have too much exercise because I don't know what to do with that powerful charge inside of me. I may reach towards something else, for somebody it can be too much shopping, any kind of activity, too much eating, you know, I don't know what to do with myself, let me go and have that huge chocolate cake in the fridge. Um, and that's why we have so many coping mechanisms in our culture, and many of them are very unhealthy. Right. Um, okay. So that's my definition 
or my view of resilience. Well, you certainly had an answer there, didn't you? You were packing one. Excellent. Thanks very much, Adita. Uh, how about this? Uh, what do you do in your personal life to nurture or promote, I guess, I was going to say inner mastery, but I'll add resilience as well. So how do you, like, what are some concrete practices that you do and, and you, people might do to, to, because we want, this is important. Yeah. So today, you know, as I would say, as a, as a very devoted practitioner of, of inner power, inner mastery, I have a 75 minute practice every single morning where I work with my entire nervous system, where I use, and I particularly use visualizations. Um, and, um, and, and inquiries where I also am able to now go deeper beneath the level of my consciousness, where I go into a place where my body is completely relaxed, but my mind is super focused. And I, I, I recognize what emotions are coming up for me more regularly, what emotions I want to release, what thought patterns may be coming up, what I want to bring into my um, regular sphere of, of, of experience. So I have a very deep practice today that wasn't the case all the time. Mm-hmm. Somebody was asking me like, you know, 75 minutes, like that's insane. Start with five minutes. Mm-hmm. Most important thing is like, if you go to the gym and you are able to commit uh, because you want to be physically fit, you need to commit to this as well. Start with five minute, create a ritual like brushing your teeth mm-hmm. and start building. It can be like a simple, you know, meditation, body awareness practice, whatever. And then I always tell people when they want to go deeper, there's no better investment than investment in ourselves. If I were to go back into my youth today with my mind, the first thing I would do, I would invest in myself, Mm -hmm. in my personal growth, in my personal development, because to me, we are our greatest asset, but we often like to think that whatever we get externally is more valuable than we are. So in order to build this inner mastery, we really need to be committed to it. You need to have discipline and you need to train like an athlete except you are training for your inner inventory which is much harder to recognize it's very easy for us to go and get muscles and get biceps and to me it's just start creating a five to ten minute practice where you get to know you pay attention to your body you pay attention to your feelings and when you start saying just oh this is so boring i you know much rather go to the gym or listen to some music just imagine the power it can have to change your life. Mm-hmm. So this is not for everyone. But if you want to get somewhere, even in entrepreneurship, you need to train like an athlete. You need to have the discipline of an athlete. Otherwise, it's very difficult to get where you want to go to your destination. So yeah. I'm not sure if this answered your question. but No, it does. I, no, I, that's what I, I meant. I didn't know if you, yeah, like you're, you're promoting meditation. I'm really thinking of that seriously more and more these days. And I think I have to... Uh, invite somebody on who can really go deeper into that specifically um, and how that helps. You said that, uh, you know, it's not for everybody. I really think it ought to be for everybody because it's- It ought to be, but not everybody will have the commitment and the discipline. So, I mean, I spent well well over 12 years. I I was actually guiding groups and I do produce recordings. Um, But what I do, uh, you know, for people that I work with, I provide individual uh, practices that are very specifically geared towards them because there's so much more to meditation, just like there's so much more to any other practice. And anybody who wants to start with a new journey, I always say find somebody you really connect with, who you develop a trusting relationship with and start with small baby steps and build them from there. Okay. Um, maybe I'll, I'll limit this now. One question on, on stress, because I think you mentioned this earlier, the idea of inner sabotage. How does stress trigger your inner saboteur? I've heard you say that. <clears throat> 
talk to me about that because yes, stress, people um, don't focus a lot on stress. They, they think, oh, stress part of life, but you really got to manage stress. I think it's very important to our mental and physical health. So please yeah. give us something on this. Sure. Matthew, we could have a separate podcast on stress alone, <laughs> just to okay. let you know. So again, you know, when we go back to stress, remember that we have this built-in stress processing apparatus. And every time there is a stressor, whether it's an external factor or our own thinking, our nervous system responds to that. And when our nervous system responds and we cannot complete the cycle, the stress cycle, we cannot go through these waves and continue being in this flow we are going to be either stuck a little bit at the top above the surface of the water, going back to the metaphorical yeah. example, or we, will be, or we will be stuck beneath the surface, underneath the water. When we are stuck above, very often we feel, we feel agitated. We feel, um, you know, we feel overthinking. We are overanalyzers. We are really quick and we can easily be triggered by others into anger, into frustration, into whatever else. And when we stay in that state for long enough, Eventually, it's very easy for us to, to um, react in certain situations in not a very healthy way, whether it's in our personal life, whether it's in our business relationship, and damage some of these relationships, or be triggered so deeply by somebody else's behavior because we are so heavily um, agitated in, inside the body. On the surface, people sometimes look calm, but they have a lot of stuff happening. Or when people are... And again, this is very simplified. When we are stuck at the bottom beneath the surface of the level, we are kind of more, you know, like we're numbed out. We are not really caring. We are, what's the word when you almost don't have an emotional expression? Apathetic? Yeah, that would be one of one of one possibility as well. Um, so there are myriad of those, and then we also have maybe more sluggish digestive system. People who are often at the top, they're like they're digesting fast, they're metabolizing fast, they're always hungry. They may have sleep problems. People who are at the bottom, they're kind of sometimes people think they're very mellow, but sometimes these people are numbing out. So the key, really, again, to a healthy nervous system and not becoming our own saboteurs is to have this healthy flow. And then when we are in that healthy flow and our body internally is thriving, we are much better students of awareness of what's happening in our thinking, how we are not triggered. I talk about triggers pretty much all the time with my clients. You know, they go before an important client meeting. I just had this conversation a couple of days ago and somebody was triggered by her partner because she assumed he was supposed to, he should be doing something that he wasn't doing. And she said, you know, he shouldn't be coming down like that. And, you know, we just went into the conversation, you know, what really was the reason for that? You cannot change him. You can become aware of your own triggers and how you respond to that. And that prevents the future cascading response between both of you. So, um, Going back to the inner saboteur, we so easily sabotage ourselves, it's not even funny. And then other reason just beside, behind the, besides the stress is our inner critic. You know, mm-hmm. who, who are you really being to, to, to go on this podcast? Who do you think you are? Right? Or, yeah, or whatever. I, or who, who do you think you will go on that stage? Like people will be laughing at you. And then, you know, and if you don't know how to work with that inner critic, it can sabotage you. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you gave us a good one there again. Why don't we, maybe we'll, we'll kind of bring it home and tie it together. I want to get yeah, to sure. your masterclass and your book uh, and, and that'll help us kind of uh, cover things. Cause I know we can go into depth on stress. As you said, a whole show, emotions, mindset, your, I think your masterclass and book will help us bring everything together. 
Um, the masterclass is called Rewire for Success. Is that right? Rewire for Success from the Inside Out because I always talk about internal inventory, right? Yes, and very good. It is, it is designed for ambitious women entrepreneurs who also have a bigger mission, who really want to step into their inner mastery and who want to create this whole life because business is just part of the life we want to live and how we create that whole package, how we become better human beings and how we also run businesses without running ourselves down. And uh, that will be happening um, on during the week of July 27th. And the link is, I believe you can provide it for the listeners after oh, that. Yeah. It's at forward slash community. And the book, anyone who wants a very cost-effective way just to get a, their toes wet in this whole topic of the stress processing apparatus, my book, um, Awaken Your Inner Leader, Transform Stress, Develop Emotional Mastery and Thrive is available worldwide, uh, worldwide on Amazon. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do want to ask you a bit about it, if you're, if you're all right, to go, go a little bit here. Sure. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, yeah, uh, I see uh, um, that you encourage a lot of people to define success or help them define success on their own terms. Mm-hmm. How do you define success? How do I define success? It, success is, can change in definition from the, based on the time or the, the, the what's the best word for that? Based on the phase of our life. Okay, yeah. Yeah, based on the phase of our life we are in. Like, success meant to me very different things when I came here, uh, you know, first time to Canada and I didn't speak English. And oh my gosh, success means very different things. At that time, it was for me, success meant to speak like other Canadians so I don't have an accent. Now, today, success is a very different thing to me. You know, today, I'm a mom, I'm a wife. And I have this huge mission about, you know, building this, uh, this business and delivering a greater good for, for the world. So to me is to have this incredibly uh, successful contributing um, entrepreneurial path where I support uh, women entrepreneurs to, to not only build their businesses, but build a better world. Um, you know, I have my very specific success defined for my personal health, for my relationships, for my personal development. I would love to travel one day when, everything opens up again. I would love to travel to Asia, to China, to Korea, to Japan. That's Come on definitely over. On, on my list of success. <laughs> Who knows when we'll be traveling again. Um, so to me, success is really based on where we are in life, what we truly desire, not what other people want us to do, not what we are telling ourselves what we want to do, but we, what we truly yearn for. All right. Great. Um, on, on this one, um, I want to, Kind of this might wrap up um, the full. Uh, I, I guess everything what you're talking about mindset, emotions, inner mastery. What does an optimized mindset look like? Um, in your view, what would you say? Because I, I mean, that's what I define optimism. When I talk about optimism on the show, I mean an optimized mindset. I don't just mean that you just think things are good. I mean, how do we optimize our mindset? What does it look Great like? Great minds think alike, okay. Matthew. So um, optimized to me, just because you know there was um, you may have heard uh, of the of the book, and there was so much talk about the growth mindset and the fixed mindset, and I never really connected to that terminology. And I guess words matter, right? Yes. And then I heard one time optimized, and I thought, how about we optimize because when we optimize, we make it more efficient and we align it with where we want to go. Um, and that's how the optimized mindset came because I would try to stay away from the growth mindset because it, I don't just want to grow and grow and grow. I want to be efficient and effective and aligned with where I want to be. So how do I constantly fine tune the way I think in my habitual thinking patterns so I can follow the path and go towards the destination where I want to be? 
Right. I love it. All right. Thanks very much. I'm going to go into the, just the book, just a few things on the book. If you're, you're still good for time. Sure. Sure. Um, what do you mean by freedom for busy indiv- uh, professionals? So you say you want to help them achieve freedom. What do you mean? Freedom from what? Uh, yeah. Okay. So, you know, we, we needed to have a catchy subtitle for the book. Okay. <laughs> you know, when you post something on Amazon, like, you know, the whole title, there's such a big thing about that. And I was okay. brainstorming a lot on the mm-hmm. concept as to what should I put there? What would be catchy for people to relate to? And freedom is always something, you know, again, words have energy. When I tell you the word, and I will just do a quick quick aside, just because you guided me there. When I tell you the word shackled, mm-hmm. what do you feel? What do you notice? Um, just focus on that word shackled. 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 Um, I feel oppressed and I feel rebellious. I, I want to break free. I guess freedom would be the antithesis to that, uh, maybe. Yeah. So now think of the word free. (laughs) I love the sound of it. I was just curious if you wanted to break it down more because I got it. I think I got your answer now. I mean, it really has an emotional power, freedom. Um, And I think that that's what I want to do. I I noticed you said something about free from their limitations. And this is a lot of the um, inner talk and, and things that you were talking about that um, if you can, you feel free from that is to be more, um, well, it's part of an optimized mindset, I'm sure, not to have these restrictive thoughts and also just to feel good about your life. So that's what freedom feels to me. Like I feel, when I say that I'm happy, again, I don't mean that I'm just constantly waking up and screaming and dancing all the whole time, but I do feel um, free. I feel like I've systematized the most the best ways that I've found are the optimal ways to live and to to put these things in um on autopilot as far as my life. And I feel free to, I have, I had one um, show actually I called delimit to be free. And it, because I meant that if we delimit things, if we automatize and systematize things that are working for us and I delimit my life in that way, then I can just feel free to operate and enjoy the thing and, and be present on the things that I'm enjoying. And I do feel like that in my diet and also in all my whole life. So freedom's a big word for me. I haven't, I'm, I'm thinking out loud here too. I haven't used it in that way so much, except for in that, uh, article that I just told you, but I love this idea of, you know, seeking freedom. Yeah. And, you know, now you also demonstrated a beautiful example, not that just you feel free, but the thought behind, because again, this is a perception, right? Mm -hmm. You create an association when you do all of these things, then that produces the feeling of freedom, but it's both a thought and a perception and a feeling. So that's how all of it is connected. Okay. So, I couldn't have asked for a better example that you would have just now said at the very end. So that, that just absolutely amazingly wraps up everything. Okay. And your book there too, it includes some experiential exercises. Is that right? So it's more yes. of a practical tool, is it? So um, how, how can this book help someone? Who's the book for basically? Maybe give us that. Um, who wants to get You know what? Book? Although I work in my private practice only with women entrepreneurs right now, this book, I honestly, is for every human being who wants to become better, smarter, more developed, uh, and have more freedom in their thinking, in their feeling. And, you know, I did sort of dedicate it to professionals because there's just so much stress and burden carried by the professional community. You know, often people go to work, they hate going there, but they go there because they need a paycheck and this whole circle. And then it impacts the kids and kids today. And that could be, again, a totally different uh, subject, different podcast. They're also struggling a lot despite the 
you know, the financial advances that we made, children today are having massive issues with mental and emotional health. So I really wanted to create something, something that starts the conversation um, in terms of how we can change and why it is so important for us to understand the power of our nervous system and how it's connected to our thinking, to our feeling and how we can become better human beings. So anyone who wants to grow personally, this book is dedicated to mm-hmm. humanity. There are loads of, um, not loads of, I shouldn't overstate that. There's several experiential practices, tiny little meditations, tiny little visualizations. And I also have uh, a link to an MP3 to an audio recording that people can just download to, totally free from my website. I think it might be around 10 minutes long or something like that. And many other smaller practices. All right. Well, that sounds really excellent. Sounds like a great tool and something for everybody. Um, before we go off then, is there anything else you'd like to say that maybe I haven't asked you about that you think, oh, I, I think this would really tie it together. I, I wish you'd asked me that. All I want to say that I'm extremely grateful that our paths crossed is that I got that one email in which I saw your name and then I, for some reason, I intuitively felt felt I had never done it before and I connected and I saw your website. I'm like, gosh, there's a Novus Koshin living in South Korea. <laughs> you know, we are crazy about South Korean cinematography. My daughter is crazy about K-pop. And mm-hmm. I, you know what? I'm just absolutely grateful for these incredible coincidences that happen in our life and that mm-hmm. we connected together on two different, um, you know, parts of the of the globe and hopefully together we can make a better world all right well i feel very much the same way i'm enjoying these conversations um, that I'm, I'm having with various people um and i particularly enjoyed our conversation today so i thank you very much for coming on uh before i say before i ask people specifically where they can find you we'll, we'll do that i just want to say a final word to everybody at large um to please share this interview. If you found any value in this and you know somebody who could get value from Adidas uh, message, please share it with that person. I think people underestimate the power of sharing. Um, if you know, you never know when it's going to hit somebody and you might set them on a pathway that's going to lead to a big change in their life uh, by discovering uh, Adida or um, in her ideas. So please do that. Of course, please ask questions. Ask me questions. Ask Adita questions. You can do that right on uh, the YouTube page, right underneath in the comment section. Ask a question. Make a comment. Uh, something you liked or something you'd like to know more about. Um, you can also do this on the Mr. Brightside Facebook page, facebook.com slash matthewbolton.ca. Please ask questions there. Anything directed at Adita, I will make sure she, she gets to look at. Uh, so I'll thank you guys for all of that stuff. So Adita, where should people go if they want to connect with you and learn more about you and your work? Oh, absolutely. They can come to my website, aditaatek.com. There's a contact form. They can connect with me on Facebook. I'm quite active. I have a Facebook page, Adita Atek. I'm also very active on LinkedIn. That's probably my main social media um, platform. So please con- connect with me on LinkedIn. And if you have questions, feel free to reach out. Well, that's perfect. Thanks very much. Um, Adita, again, one more time to thank you for coming on. I really enjoyed myself today. Um, I very thank much appreciate it. Thank you, me too. It. Okay, and everybody else, go check out Adita Atek. Awaken your inner leader, optimize your mindset, and optimize your life, which is what we talk about all the time in the show, and maybe let Adita help you out with that. And I'll see you guys next time. Mr. Brightside, your time out to refresh, refuel and refocus your mind and energy toward building an optimistic framework for flourishing life is good it's up to you to choose the bright side